Hello everyone, uh, I would like to welcome you at the LSC Literary Festival and to our panel on crossing borders in Polish women's writing, which was generously funded, uh, co-funded by the uh, Polish Cultural Institute in London. And I have a great, great pleasure to introduce, uh, of introducing you to two outstanding Polish writers, Isabella Filipiak and Grażyna Plebanek. And before they will tell us a little bit about their writing and their notion of uh, emigration or migration in Polish women's writing um, and the importance of themes such as movement, migration, emigration, I wish to um, share with you a few recollections on their writing and women, Polish women's writing, um, contemporary writing as well as the notion of uh, emigration or migration in uh, contemporary humanities. Crossing borders has never been easier than in the times we live in. Of course, by crossing borders, I mean movement within the European unions, Union, and by our easy times, I mean the last, uh, six, the last six or so years for, for Polish migrants. The dismantling of border, of border controls and the facilitation of border crossing may give us a notion, or unfortunately an illusion, of progress, change, transition, a better world. I did not hesitate to add the word illusion, because as we can glean from the growing problems of xenophobia in Europe, especially in the times of present economic crisis, the so-called opening of political borders has not eliminated the most important borders that result from historical development of religion, nationalism, and prejudices against the others. Nevertheless, the organizational changes that got rid of the obstacle to leave and return to one's country have affected the linguistic domain. Emigration became migration, and the emigrant, someone who would come to a foreign country to stay and dwell in the foreign country as a foreigner and therefore a stranger, became a migrant, a concept somehow somewhat nomadic, not that easy to categorize, hence control. This is no doubt that the politics and poetics of travel and space have changed in recent, ye recent years. And the Polish emigre literature has become a kind of traveler's uh, tale. Unsurprisingly, perhaps since 1989, many of the literary, literary scholars announced the, the end of emigration in literature. I would refer here to very early uh, book of Jerzy Jarzemski, Farewell to Emigration. Nevertheless, the experience, often very, a very painful experience of emigration, uh, of displacement and homelessness stay untouched. In a recent interview, Marek, Marek Kazimierski, the English-Polish poet living in London, stated that in today's Europe, it is easier to be an emigrant as someone from somewhere else than to be a native, referring to, the, to today's outmoded po politics of identity from which the figure of emigrant of, or a migrant 
slips away um, easily. I'm not so sure about uh, this categorization or whether this categorization is valid anymore. It seems that there is no more easy answer to questions such as who is a native and who is an immigrant? What's belonging? What is home? What rights do I have and to which spaces? These are the questions, I believe, which are under negotiation in modern humanities. And perhaps the search for the answer, uh, for the search for the answers is at the very core of our contemporaneity. I'm, uh, in my reading, the fiction of Isabella Filipek and Grażyna Plebanek uh, tries to present the complexity of those relationships which one may have with the homeland and the new country, the experience of exile the uh, and living in a foreign language, as, le as well as their evocation of Poland from the skeptical distance perspe perspective. Something probably facilitated in their cases by their experience of living abroad. Also, both of them, I think, have had to face a predominantly masculine world of Polish literary criticism, in which <coughs> women's writing still maintains the stigma of being a little worse, or in many cases, second-rate literature. Isabella Filipiak probably started all this with her Śmierć and Spirala, Śmierć i Spirala, The Death and the Spiral, 1992, a collection of short stories, stories which, though not autobiographical, refer mainly to her experience of leaving in the US as a political emigrant during the 1980s. In the 1990s, Isabella came back to Poland and published in 1995 one of the most influential books of that decade, Absolute Amnesia, the total amnesia. A metaphorical narrative that, that directly criticizes the Polish construction of family and the notion of engagement in politics, for example. In 1997, she published Niebieska Menageria. I have the book here, um, the first edition. Uh, and a collection of short stories on migration. With, with a leading eye narrator who gives the collection a very autobiographical flavor, as I think. In the second half of the 1990s, she has become a feminist icon in the literary scene. One of the first Polish women writers of fame after 1989, she openly admits that she's a lesbian and in 2002, she published a collection of poems, perhaps the first openly lesbian collection of poems in Poland, entitled Man Madame Intuita. She openly criticized the conservative and homophobic elements in Polish culture. Uh, for example, in her 2003 uh, book, Kultura Obrażona, The Culture of the Offended. She's also published the interesting novel Alma and the play M, as well as the book on Maria Komornicka, 2007, Obszary Odmienności, Rzecz o Marii Komornickiej. Her literary journey goes from writing about experience of emigration or migration and dealing with the notion of physical displacement towards the criticism of the domestic culture and the attack on mechanisms of psychological and cultural oppression. Grażyna Plebanek's case is different. 
She started her literary journey in 2002 with a novel Pudełko ze The Box with the Needle, that describes the position of a young Polish modern woman in the post-1989 Poland in the, in the free market. In 2005, she published a new novel, and probably um, the, the best-known novel, a story of friendship between girls who began their lives in communist Poland and witnessed the political and cultural change of the 1989 firsthand. The novel, called Dziewczyny z Portofino, The Girl from Portofino, is a book on the Polish working and low middle class and its problems, alcoholism, family problems, and political mayhem. The novel deals with crossings. In this case, the crossing of a very important border between Polish communism and Polish capitalism. Similarly, her 2007 Przestupa and 2010 novel Nielegalne Związki, Illegal Relationships, deal with some sort of other sort of crossings. In this case, the crossing, the experience of migration. Pograżyna, who lived in Sweden for many years and who lives now in Brussels, the experience of migration contains a strong element of liberation and freedom. Grażyna's literary construction on emigration are optimistic. Przystupa, the cleaning lady, has no problem in acquiring a new language. The characters of nielegalne związki, illegal relationships, are new Europeans a group of polyglots, effortlessly juggling Polish, English, or French, or indeed any other language that is needed. Isabella Filipiak seems more skeptical. She describes the problem of leaving, not as much as leaving a space, but as abandoning one's language, habits, and one's comfortable and no routines. For Isabella, leaving is a complex progress. I quote, from Nibiska Menagerie. Autumn. I have just come back to Poland. The return is not something one can experience easily, just like that. You come back and that's it. You are here. No. One comes back at the layer upon layer, each one deeper than the previous, deep to the core of your bones, to the pain and to the forgetfulness. One leaves in the same way, beat by bit, you rip off what was common, what belonged to you, what belonged to both, to you and to the others, to you and to the place. Unquote. In Grażyna's Nielegalne Związki, where the couples tend to be mixed, blending various, various countries and cultures, different languages, living in Brussels and working mainly for the, Europe, for the European Union, Abandoning one's home has not only become a problem, but is actually a sign of progress. As we read in Nielegalne Związki, I quote, When the conversation went towards the comparison between the Belgian reality and the fatherlands, the accents on superiority of the cucumber soup, or Gurkova, over the local speciality, the carbonara, Maggie leaned towards Jonathan and whispered, can't they see that there is no conflict of interest between liking that what is here and that what is there? Unquote. In Grażyna's latest book, we can clearly track a specific confidence in the European project.
As the above passages establish, the experience of migration can easily be seen from two main angles. On the one hand, it cannot be instantaneous and or immediate. In, all, in, other, uh, in order to leave, it is necessary to abandon the domestic space, the place of familiar coordinates, and to go through a radical shake-up, a kind of emotional disturbance which takes over even when home might not have been all that cozy and friendly. On the other hand, it can be seamless, easy, untraumatic, or even liberating from the national narrow-mindedness. In Grazina's novel, the <coughs> national narrow-mindedness is symbolized by the reference to Józef Schlimak, the protagonist from Bolesław Prus's novel Placówka, who desperately holds on to, to his land against German settlement. When looking at the main scope of writing on emigration by writers who have lived outside Poland both temporarily and permanently, the optimistic view on experience of um, migration and crossing borders is very rare. Contemporary emigration literature does not limit itself only to political determined problems of nationality, visas, or lack of proficiency in foreign language. After all, all these form only a sum of worthless inconveniences associated to modern travel. Much more critically, these narratives pick up on estrangement, estrangement as a deeply conflicted, conflictive position. It is the predicament of being the stranger, a foreigner ideologically and culturally, mainly linguistically, as well as uh, in all other everyday senses, such as physical appearance and eating habits. The foreigner's condition has more or less a defined set of sy symptoms. Firstly, there is a recognition of loneliness, both as perceived and real, and a sense of being chronically misunderstood and rejected. The foreigner is a threat to the harmony of, quote, the family, the clan, the tribe, unquote, as Julia Kristeva once put it. The contemporary literature written by writers based outside Poland today plays a central role in the process of renegotiating the notion of belonging to Polish culture and politics. And as a part of a discourse on the contemporary belonging in general. This is the case of Isabella Filipiak and Grażyna Plebanek's writing, but also others, and I will enumerate a few names. Joanna Pawluśkiewicz, Pani Nadonka, Iwona Słobuszewska-Krause, Hotel Irlandia, <coughs> or books by Dona, Dana Pares-White, Emigrantka z Wyboru, Opowieść Londyńska, and Justyna Tomańska, Polka w Londynie. <coughs> These texts are accompanied by many contemporary narratives by male writers. I will give you three examples. Grzegorz Kopaczewski, novel Global Nation from 2004, on the generation experience of London and Polish emigration here. Bronisław Świderski, Assistant Śmierci in 2007, on the 30 something years old, Paul living in Denmark. And finally, simplistic and naive narrative of Daniel Koziarski, Sociopata of Londynie in 2006. To sum up this uh, introduction, when 
investigating the phenomenon of crossing border, borders in contemporary Polish literature, more questions and directions of a new research are appearing, especially in the light of new political ideologies and ideologues, and the new centers and margins created by the new Europe, new technology, and new citizens. It is a new space in which the tale of a woman in the state must still face borders more difficult to transcend than geographical limits. They must still find ways of crossing the psychological frontiers that divide a world charted by patriarchy, xenophobia, or primitive fear that the other will take over. And I will finish here. Thank you very, very much for listening to this introduction. Now I will, uh, well, we will, um, I will uh, give a floor to Isabella Filipiak and Grazena uh, Flebanek, asking her to, asking them to, um, to comment on, on my uh, uh, reading of uh, of the of uh, the writing and they they own thoughts on emigration and literature. Yeah. Sure. Uh, well, uh, hi, thanks for coming. And uh, well, I wanted to say that it is not accidental that we are here together. Um, uh, we uh, read and appreciate each other's work and have great respect for Ursula Havanitz's research. Um, as to Gazena, we have uh, um, a small autobiograph autobiographical event that connects us in the past, uh, uh, years back when I taught creative writing at the University of Warsaw, uh, Gazena came to my creative writing workshop before uh, publishing her first book and uh, she's proved herself to be so amazingly talented and we like know each other since. I mean we like don't meet, we don't talk, but we know each other. <coughs> Watch from the distance. Um, so, well, uh, in regard to um, migration and uh, such themes, uh, uh, does my voice really carry? I just find it amazing. It does, right? Good. <laughs> so new that I don't have to like, talk into the thing. It sketches. Um, well, um, where to start? Well, so I would start with. Um, Mm, a place where I am now, which is uh, Gdańsk in Poland. Uh, um, I moved back to to Poland um, a year and a half ago from California. I knew it seems that I spent most of my life moving back and forth from one continent to, to another. Um, which means that, in a way, I've been practicing immigration all my life, and I became such a master, and I've been mastering immigration. And at, uh, at this moment, I definitely, well, on the one hand, I have returned to a place where I was born. Um, on uh, the other hand, practically to Chai to the same town, I was born in Gdynia, uh, on the other hand, I still practice being a migrant in Poland, and this is a very interesting position. Um, 
um, which um, this means that um, on the one hand, I um, praise myself to be an expert in Polish culture. I believe I can, uh, I have the ability to diagnose uh, lossy of insanity, places of uh, insanity in Polish culture very aptly. On the other hand, uh, several practicalities are still new to me, and they are going to be. There will be always a, a tiny bit of uh, common reality in Poland that they are going to continue to to surprise me. On the third hand, so to speak, I can always distance myself from um, Polish uh, reality by saying, and I tend to do this, oh, this is how Polish people do things, or this is how they, so I have this, uh, uh, if I want to express my anguish or distaste, I tend to um, separate myself from my uh, people in, uh, in this somewhat mean way. I do it. On the, on the other hand, of course, I uh, I am able to blend in just as easily. Mm. In addition, I've been um, well. I teach in the American Studies Department at the uh, University of Gdańsk presently, uh, which is also uh, both new and the same. There's a continuity and discontinuity at the same time because I studied at the same university years ago and I studied Polish literature. Um, during the last decade I decided to cease being a Slavist and uh, I, <laughs> um, I got a work toward an additional degree in, in California and uh, now I'm an Americanist uh, lecturer in English at the, department, uh, at the university where I studied years ago but in a different department. Um, this means that I communicate at the university, I com communicate mostly in uh, English, I also speak in English at home. Um, and I write in English, which uh, remains my shy secret when I talk to people in Poland. <laughs> so, um, that's now mm, a lot of levels which I actually managed to handle um, more or less well lately, I mean, I've become practiced. Um, now, um, uh, well, things that I wanted to, um, certain uh, um, issues I wanted to address, uh, address which, um, well, now I'm trying to look at myself as, a, uh, uh, as an object of research, um, but, uh, uh, certainly, um, I, um, I have uh, um, I approached gay themes in uh, most of my books somewhat. I mean, I never really, uh, I have never really written a gay gay book. I, but I always uh, assumed that uh, um, some themes, some stories, some percentage of of my writing would have to have uh, um, gay characters, people who live in between genders, uh, um, people who change gender. Uh, I mean, to me, it sim simply seemed too, it would have been too basically boring to write about solely about straight people. Uh, even though <laughs> I, I understand that, well, certain 
political cultural themes, well, we tend to express with political and cultural themes mainly through straight narratives. Um, still, um, um, I continue doing this, and um, well, I have several books in progress right now, one of them concerning uh, uh, lesbian grief, uh, the theme of, um, so this uh, of course relates to the invisibility, invisibility of experience, and the, uh, impossibility of uh, experiencing uh, mourning in public and the erasure of, uh, instantaneous erasure of of this experience, which now I seem to uh, be thinking a lot about a lot lately in the context of uh, our national mourning, mm -hmm. um, the aftermath of the cat uh, airplane catastrophe in Smolensk. So, well, whether we want it, and I actually don't watch TV and don't read newspapers, but still, if I want it or not, I'm being, uh, I'm facing this uh, immense public experience of national uh, mourning. Mm, I also, well, and I admit that uh, um, while the, uh, my books in progress are based in Poland and I'm using my, uh, well, my experience and understanding of Polish uh, culture, it helps to write uh, them in, uh, write down these themes in English. Uh, in this actually helps to create this right uh, kind of distance. Mm, on the one hand, it frees me from, uh, well, what I would normally have to await uh, when, let's say, uh, writing uh, this the book that I'm uh, working on right now, this inexplicable ball of silence when uh, one encounters, when in fact uh, um, a gay theme appears in a book published in Poland. And on the one hand, you are facing this this something, this blob, this wall of silence, on the other hand, where uh, you are also facing the necessity to justify and explain. Um, so um, on the third uh, hand, many hands, I've also, I know that I practice this part of being chronically misunderstood and rejected. I, I know how to handle this, and I also know how to handle being a, a, a consistent threat to family. Um, <laughs> um, in addition, I'm going to close this um, down in um, three minutes, more or less. Uh, I'm uh, also uh, reviving the experience of immigration by uh, taking part in my girlfriend's migration to Poland. As she is an American, she is facing the same bureaucratic obstacles as any person from any country outside of European Union would and does. Uh, so um, this um, this experience is uh, well. On the one hand, I'm using. Um, all my little, all my experience and knowledge related to how to be an immigrant in the in the country, how to approach offices. On the other hand, of course, part of this impossibility and um, 
the sense of being just baffled in front of the office or uh, these little moments of grace when we are helped by people whom we wouldn't expect to help us, these little mercies that, that, come, that, that come our way. This also becomes a part of the um, um, blog that we are writing together, uh, which we hope to turn in, uh, into a book uh, soon. Uh, which seems to again seem to be both reviving and rewriting the themes of being in a known and unknown place, uh, um, um, repeating, reviving these uh, themes of uh, um, of um, how do you say this? Uh, uh, um, of sheer impo impossibility and at the same time taking pleasure in actually in conquering these uh, hindrances and obstacles. I should probably add that uh, um, using humor a lot and humor is what, I mean, can be sarcasm, can be irony, but humor in the end is what, what saves me. Okay. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah. We, can, we can carry on. With uh, all these themes you you uh, you just mentioned, with uh, the general discussion and uh, and became very serious here. So we are sitting in the semicircle, and <laughs> I'm tempted to raise my hand and say, "My name is Gerzyna, and I'm an immigrant, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm a traveler." <laughs> but uh, what you said, Ula, about um, in your introduction, it seems like I'm, I'm a Euro optimist. So mm -hmm. let's. Well, this way, my reading of, of uh, my read—I mean, I, I have to defend myself today. As my, at least my reading of uh, of Christopher and I'm taking this role with pleasure. So uh, when I was thinking about the subject of this of this meeting, um, I just came back to the simplest um, question: uh, uh, Why I left Poland? Uh, although it sounds very dramatic, but. Um, I left Poland because uh, I was curious. Mm, I was uh, curious what uh, lives look like uh, outside of Poland. Uh, and nothing was wrong about Poland, by the way, because uh, let me mm, introduce you a little bit. 11 years ago uh, in Poland, in 2000, um, the situation looked like this, that uh, communism was definitely gone, the capitalism was well established, and uh, my generation was uh, the first one to mm, uh, to take advantage of this of this uh, change, and uh, we had really uh, good jobs, and uh, I became a journalist at that time, um, and uh, because I was I just finished my studies, so we were my generation was really uh, treated by big companies like uh, Fresh Meat, and uh, we were haunted almost to 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 take these jobs. Which we took, and um, that's why we, uh, my, my friends, uh, really made a lot of big careers in uh, banking, um, advertising, and uh, journalism. Uh, normally boring stuff, but uh, <laughs> really uh, earned a lot of money. And uh, so uh, I didn't have to leave Poland to earn. I didn't have to leave Poland to survive. Um, I could just easily stay there and. Um, and earn more money and have a bigger apartment and have uh, perhaps a second car. But um, here I was in this dreamland um, of possibilities and um, it wasn't my dream really. 
so um, I decided uh, I took uh, two s strange decisions at that time. One was to write books and become a novelist, and another strange decision was to uh, to leave Poland, mm, which I did, um, and I moved to Sweden. And why to Sweden? Because uh, because I was there on a scholarship and it was fun. And also, of course, I like the books of Astrid Lindgren. So this is another <laughs> realistic <laughs> motive to go somewhere. <laughs> and um, so finally, what I'm trying to say here is that I didn't go. Uh, uh, I didn't go to earn money. I didn't move to earn money. I didn't go to survive somewhere else. I just uh, heard this call to a way anchor and I followed this and it was just as simple as that to to see to to, to have an adventure in life maybe to have m less money but to have an adventure um, also it helped me a little bit to write mm, I mean it helped me a lot to write uh, or frankly I started to write when I moved out from Poland uh, because um, because it was like in this famous um, uh, metaphor uh, by Umberto Eco about a library. Um, when I was inside Poland, when I was inside the library, I couldn't see the shape of it. Uh, whilst in uh, living somewhere else, I saw how Poland looks like, how my Polish experience looks like. And um, that's why I wrote my first novel. Um, about uh, about a young mother coping with uh, the reality of, of a Polish uh, wild capitalism, um, and then my second book about uh, about uh, growing up under communism and uh, being adult in under uh, capitalism. Um, so for me, living in Poland was really the most um, liberating experience uh, in that sense that uh, I saw. Uh, what I left, uh, and that's why uh, now um, my third book and my and my fourth book is more about uh, living abroad and uh, become um, who I am now, a, a traveler. So um, I would s maybe call myself right now not an emigrant, but a traveler uh, or an outsider, a permanent outsider, a friendly outsider because when I live in Belgium, I, I really like what, what is there, and, uh, but I'm still, I'm not Belgian, and I don't have any ambitions to, be, to become one. Um, so this is, this is my experience, and I really appreciate it. That's why I'm very optimistic <laughs> about being in Europe. Uh, but of course, it's painful what, what Isa said was um, very illuminating, because um, of course, it's painful probably for some people to, to, to cut um, ties. To, to, to become somebody else in, in, in different language, but uh, uh, maybe there is something wrong with me, but I, I didn't feel um, homesickness. Uh, mm. I, I really didn't feel like it. I, I feel familiar in, in Europe, somewhere in Europe, so that's why I am an optimist, <laughs> in a way. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, I uh, am very happy that uh, what you've said uh, actually confirmed my, my uh, <laughs> investigation that we have an uh, pessimist and optimist sample <laughs> in here. It's very good. Uh, but there is a tension, and uh, I wish to carry this, uh, these themes you, you started with the uh, conversation, with our uh, general conversation. I, I open uh, the floor for you, mm -hmm. for the audience.
wants to, to, to we, will, we will actually um, uh, bring up many others, borders that, that actually we are, um, have, we, we are we face, face to and we have to cross on the everyday basis. Okay, who would like to start? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll start. I'll start. Um, I have a question for both. Oh, sorry. I've, hi, I've got a question for both of the ladies. Um, Grzyna, you said that um, being outside helps you see Poland in a way. Um, and this is the question I have for Isa as well. Did it help you to see um, things that you haven't seen before mm -hmm. uh, when you were living in Poland, obviously, and because you lived in America for some time? So that's what I was interested. What, what did you see, and how did you um, did you become more critical about Poland, or did it change your view? Oh well, I, I um, well, I left Poland for the first time in 1987. Uh, right, it was still under under communism, and uh, um, in fact, I had to apply for I applied for political asylum, and I got one. Indeed, it was a different, different experience, and this, this was trauma somehow carried. Because, well, I mean, I admit that we are not such polarities uh, with aggression as we want to present ourselves at this moment. Um, my experience, my daily experience, is still very much similar to yours. I mean, I can be at home, I'm home long, at home in London, mm -hmm. I can be at home in probably more than in Gdańsk, but still. Um, but uh, at that time, um, well, I actually, uh, it's hard to imagine and to believe that when I left Poland in 87, I was convinced that I would never be able to return. Uh, that uh, I would never be able to see my friends again because that was the, the ultimate conviction. Uh, but well, in, uh, so in terms of seeing uh, Poland from the distance, yes, certainly. But I think the key notion was the question of loyalty. That as long as you live in, as long as I lived in Poland, consciously or not. I felt that, well, especially that Poland tends to create itself as this uh, uh, suffering entity, like abused suffering mother you have to sympathize with and you cannot betray, meaning you cannot betray her secrets. Uh, so uh, leaving this kind of <coughs> mental space and finding myself elsewhere certainly helped me to sever these loyalties and this probably showed in uh, uh, absolute amnesia which at the time when it was published shocked many people who well, had these loyalties internalized without really thinking about them. Um, and at this m moment, well, um, this, well, I mean, you cannot rely, rely on brave acts only, so certainly uh, researching Polish uh, history and Polish um, culture of the end of the 19th century helped, which is what I did for my, for my doctorate, because it really helped me to understand patterns of Polish nationalism to the point when we had this big revival of Polish nationalism in the last decade. And uh, oh, now we were often baffled and puzzled by the 
Nazi language when it reappeared, who now is from war, it actually reappeared from the end of the 19th century, the beginning of the 20th century, and of course, um, the 1920s and 30s, and the same uh, patterns, speech patterns, syntax patterns um, were reiterated, repeated. Um, so that's um, that's certainly that's on the one hand it's uh, certainly good to uh, gain some distance. On the other hand, it's also even better to return and what well, dig deeper, deeper, discover new connections. I think I, I answered already <laughs> the question. Um, Yes, exactly. It was it was like this that I, I just sum up my experiences from 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 Poland, and uh, it was uh, easier to see from the distance. Uh, for example, the situation of women at the time, because mm, that was something completely else than the situation of young m men. Uh, I mean, speaking about my generation, who entered to uh, who entered the uh, labor market, and uh, we were equal until this moment of uh, <coughs> giving birth. I mean, <laughs> when, when uh, for example, my friends uh, or I, we, uh, we had kids, then we were just uh, smoothly removed from the, from the labor market. And that's, um, at the time, by the way, the market was, was full of um, uh, employers, uh, employees, and uh, uh, so that's why the propaganda at the time in Poland uh, said that uh, um, mothers should stay at home. I mean, mothers, not parents, mm -hmm. but mothers should stay at home mm, and uh, take care of kids uh, and breastfeed as long as it's possible, even until they are five years old. And that's <laughs> <laughs> really, okay. yes, I read that. <laughs> Instructions. Um, instructions, yes. Uh, it was all over in, in, in uh, doctors' uh, doctors' uh, cabinets and in magazines and in simple magazines like Cosmopolitan even. It wasn't about orgasm, it was about you know, breastfeeding at the time. So mm, uh, that I saw vividly, I mean really I, I saw this from the distance and then I wrote my first book and also then I, I wanted to analyze uh, who we are really, uh, the, the people who grew up under um, communism and, and have to be uh, adults. Um, in ca capitalism, and that's why I was digging and digging, and that's why my uh, second book um, came out uh, with this subject, uh, concerning this subject. So that's my experience. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you both for, for your introductions. Um, my question is basically to Isar, but mm -hmm. um, maybe Grajana will have some comments. You mentioned about the problem of the reception of your work, um, which you described as chronically rejected. And of course, no, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> no, but I mean, there's something which, which I've followed quite closely, not just in relation to your own work, but work of other women writers and lesbian writers. Um, I just wonder whether you see any hope for change, um, whether you see any, any indications of change, um, and whether in the long term you see your own work um, mm -hmm. as contributing to um, broadening the horizons and combating the quite obvious intolerance that we see um, 
from the literary critical establishment. I mean, I'm, when, I, when I say that, I'm not talking so much about academic um, environments, um, but certainly the press, um, the leading critics in the, in the um, leading newspapers, like even Gazeta Viborcha, which is otherwise fairly liberal. So. Mm -hmm. Thanks. What I wanted. Uh, well, uh, I don't want to, when I talk about my consciousness, I also don't want to create an image of myself as a suffering victim. There was time in my career where I was immensely popular. Yes. And, uh, and I can. Yeah, yes. Um, and at the same time, of course, there was a toll to pay related to this. And, uh, um, and I also decided to step step out of this role because uh, while I was popular, I also felt that uh, at times I had very little to say about how my image was. So it was a conscious mm -hmm. decision? Uh, well, you know, at times things are conscious, and, uh, but it, I also what happens in my life is my life actually carries me to mm -hmm. uh, places. But yeah, yes, I wanted to remove myself as well and s gain some distance from um, and even become less popular, but more and more myself. Uh, what I wanted to, uh, I actually wanted to refer what Gajina was saying is double standard for men and women in Polish culture that you witness everywhere, um, starting from, uh, well, basically just pra practices, certain practices in uh, the market. Um, young women are still facing this type of discrimination that. Uh, on that Grazina uh, mentioned, and they are considered less reliable workers because uh, employers expect them to leave on um, this maternity leaves. And uh, mm. so, um, well, this st starting uh, point into uh, the um, into the professional careers is certainly different, and this carries on. This really hasn't changed for the last, last decade or two. Um, and of course, this double standard was um, um, obvious, uh, obviously noticeable in literature as well. And we were treated as women writers as a second category people. Uh, and I remember these. Uh, dramatic articles in literary press about the like, influx of women writers because there were five of them, and um, and this um, this like, dramatic tone, of course, continues. Uh, women writers or women women uh, writers are on the one hand noticed, on the other hand marginalized as soon as it becomes possible. Um, on, um, well, for hope as to hope for change, oh, we are noticing. Well, we are noticing definitely a change or in a sensitivity of Polish audience or Polish audiences. Um, we have just witnessed several event, uh, events, several moments 
when, uh, well, because obviously we have like, male politicians, men in power, who <coughs> tend to say atrocious things in public, um, which <coughs> until now uh, seem to be overlooked and brushed uh, over. And at this point, uh, what we have, well, this like, latest <coughs> event, someone, um, <coughs> feminist scholar, or just uh, someone writing a, an article, read few uh, um, uh, Polish accounts of travel, and she discovered uh, uh, this uh, memoir by uh, uh, Kadrinsky. Uh, like, um, He's not really a writer, I don't know who he is. He is, uh, well, um, <coughs> a journalist, okay. No one really paid attention to this account for the last 15 years, uh, but after the excerpt was uh, um, posted on one of the internet websites, uh, um, this Part, which is mainly sexist and racist account on his view of uh, uh, African women. <laughs> uh, well, it created um, actually it created an uproar. Uh, and interestingly, uh, media, major media, don't relate to the matter. So, uh, but at, at the same time, the uh, uneasiness around this publication continues. So this can be a sign of, well, of hope, because apparently um, an expression that uh, used to be overlooked, at the, might have been overlooked even two years ago, well, our sensitivities might, must have changed, because um, Polish public cannot, doesn't seem to tolerate um, some extreme expressions of sexism, even homophobia and racism. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to <coughs> comment on, on one aspect of this, um, what Isa said, that um, Virginia Woolf said uh, once that uh, pen should be bisexual, <laughs> it should be written both for, uh, texts should be written both for women and men, and um, not be affected by any ism, uh, by feminism, for example, but really sometimes it's difficult to to have this bisexual pen, because it's, um, I struggle, for example, all the time between uh, this uh, need to write um, about uh, life, just this ha to have this luxury uh, about uh, being uh, not, not a woman, not a man, just a writer. But sometimes uh, I think um, I'm too angry to, to mm. do this, and uh, sometimes I'm tem tempted to, to, to help <laughs> a bit the feminism. Mm. In, in Poland, because in Poland it's really sometimes infuriating that uh, that uh, women are still treated uh, as uh, as a citizens of, of lesser value, exactly. So um, yeah, I don't know how about you, but but I'm I'm trying to be a little bit above, but I still don't mm -hmm. think it's time. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thank you. Um, I I would just add if I if I can uh, to that part of the discussion on women's writing in Poland and the figure of emigration um, is uh, that um, actually women's writers are treated as the emigrant in Polish mm -hmm. culture. Mm -hmm. And th 
this is this kind of official mm -hmm. language because they they uh, uh, prominent critics, as also Philip mentioned, actually called women stojemki uh, in Polish culture, they, the strangers, mm -hmm. the, the the newcomers, and uh, and I don't know why because Poland, the Pol uh, Polish culture always had Polish women's writers. Mm -hmm. And but somehow women's writers are all the times a newcomers are all the times need to be rediscovered, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, and r scholars like myself all the time has to um, justify oneself. Why do I write only about Polish women's writers and and answer the question such? Do you read only women? And uh, and this is um, this is like we are always put the figure mm -hmm. of migrant, the figure of an immigrant is a kind of metaphor of of being a woman in Poland. Mm -hmm. And and uh, this is I I wanted to say that perhaps it is some sort of orientalization of Poland, and uh, I'm very very careful mm -hmm. about this, but it's not so bad. <laughs> mm -hmm. But uh, um, on the kind of symbolic level, these are the mechanisms that are going on in. Polish culture. Mm -hmm. And now I would like to gather a few more questions and perhaps I would gather three or four questions and then we will uh, discuss so, so we don't jump like <laughs> all the time. Okay, please. Uh, we just okay, you can. Thank you. 
language since I also wrote in Polish uh, in, uh, when I lived in New York. Uh, what I noticed is was that my Polish actually became more sophisticated uh, <laughs> when I lived abroad. Well, uh, I read a lot. Um, I read, of course, both in Polish and English. I also worked on my uh, Polish novels, and it became my secret language, my secret code in this uh, reality of, of, of English. So it was something that I nurtured, something that I treasured, that I wanted to, to, to improve. Uh, I was also free, um, separated from uh, junky language. I mean, I could experiment with it if I wanted to, but uh, I wasn't really uh, much in touch with uh, Polish as Polish. In New York, I didn't really live in Polish part of town, so so I was surrounded by English. And still, I, I wrote in Polish, and it was very, very pleasant. Um, don't you have to say? Maybe about this, because this question was... Yeah. Yes, yes uh, about mm -hmm. writing in, in different languages. Mm -hmm. I don't think uh, I'm this generation <laughs> that will dare to do this because uh, I was born uh, in Poland. I spent uh, a lot of years in Poland, and um, and I think this is my mother tongue, and I wasn't bilingual um, never uh, ever. Uh, so now, of course, I learned uh, two more languages or three more languages, but they are still not my mother tongues and. I don't think I will ever dare to write in English or in, in French. Uh, maybe if the narration really requires this kind of uh, language, but uh, but it's not my culture, uh, really. But I think uh, this would be also uh, an answer for the first question. I think what is interesting is not my generation, but the generation of, of um, my kids, for example. They they are now almost teenagers and. I see they are um, they are living in different countries. They are moving with us, and they are absorbing different cultures and different uh, languages. And they are uh, bi or trilingual uh, sometimes. And this is the potential, really, uh, because what I can do is, of course, I can absorb the culture. I can uh, be an outsider. This is my advantage of, of, of this situation that I can see. Um, I can see. Uh, my Polish experience um, from 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 outside, and now of course I, I collect a lot of other experiences that I can write about, but in Polish I think still. But my kids, they are, uh, and this is an, an amazing generation, amazing. Uh, uh, it's even called a third culture kid. Uh, it's uh, they are European uh, new citizens, and they will be. The, 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 by the way, the character of uh, my last novel, he's kind of uh, this this kind of um, person. He he's uh, bilingual because he was um, he had this possibility in, in his life, and and that's why he's so fluent with in, in three languages. And I think this is the generation that will really uh, be fluent and will amaze us <laughs> in, in different languages. So that's I can, I can still Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, because we have, we still yeah. didn't understand mm -hmm. whether you mm -hmm. actually have some sort of um, mm -hmm. other writers, the angry mm -hmm. writers yeah, who write about immigration that will, that yeah. you feel connected yes, to, yes, and I they, about the economic um, Yes, I, I'm, I'm going to approach this, um, what was a 
have a first question in the, in the connection of immigrant writers. There are several writers in American culture at this moment who came to United States, who were born elsewhere, came to United States, and uh, well, basically write and publish in um, in English. And um, I could mention several of them. Uh, I know that uh, my story is somewhat different. Well, I apparently became a failed emigrant in the States and I think that the pressure of American dream was too just too, too strong and I also have a tendency to resist cultural pressures. I felt this pressure to succeed and to uh, enter this this narrative of Exactly, abandoning the bad Poland and embracing good uh, American culture, whereas this was not my uh, narrative at all. Uh, still, I write in English presently. I must say that it is incredibly difficult to uh, to start writing in a language that is not your own. Um, it took me uh, several years to even accustom myself to language. I'm also a slow language learner. Um, so, um, but still, what um, attracted me to the idea was that my first, let's say, stories, chapters written in English, well, language well, might have been atrocious at times, but structure was very interesting. So I felt that, well, and it, uh, I also discovered that the uh, same thing can be told in different ways when written in Polish and, and English, and all uh, the way I structured the narrative in English actually surprised me, and that, that's why I wanted to follow on it. I mean, I liked what was coming out. Um, so then, uh, so the, in the end, uh, it's... It seems that at least I, at this moment, uh, uh, enter this uh, into this another complex layer, and I'm amazed by complexities myself. Uh, I also think that living in Gdańsk is impo important for uh, me at this moment. That uh, just my being there and uh, saying things, being uh, being this public, uh, uh, embracing this public persona anew, uh, helps. Uh, create positive changes in Poland and in Tri-City at this moment. And when I look back at uh, <coughs> the last year and I try to imagine my town without me, I, uh, I can, well, I, I know that certain uh, cultural events, certain uh, cultural moments wouldn't be taking place and it wouldn't be a sadder, a sadder place. So in a way I can, uh, I can congratulate myself, and I do on that. Um, I also wanted to, uh, in the same vein, I wanted to answer a question of economic mi uh, migration. Um, we are certainly aware of it um, taking place. What I wanted to add is that gay people emigrate en masse from Poland, and it is partly economic and partly just situational, uh, since well, uh, um, people emigrate to well to be free from uh, homophobic sexist language, but of course from our <coughs> media or used to for our uh, last decade, people also, uh, I think that um, our needs and our self-esteem seems 
everything and what power it has to offer doesn't really uh, satisfy a lot of my contemporary fellow don't know compatriots any longer um, it becomes more and more obvious that uh, um, people want to have just basic partnership rights, mm -hmm. basic status, and they don't want to be treated like this non-entities under Polish law anymore. Uh, so we emigrate, and that's actually a great loss because I would love to see them taking part in creating, recreating Polish culture, but at the same time it is understandable that um, people want to have decent life and they choose this decent life in, uh, uh, in Holland or in, in England. Okay. Mm -hmm. Would you like to comment? Um, maybe maybe uh, again about this connection with writers uh, who, are, uh, who are staying in uh, Poland, for example. Uh, because um, it's really what you said in the introduction. Uh, sometimes I think it's really now to, to more difficult to be uh, a native than, than to, to travel. Because I see Brussels, for example, uh, there are so few <laughs> people from Brussels. I mean, really born in Brussels, uh, and uh, I think they must really uh, have a hard time to see all of us, you know, coming. Uh, uh, there and, and speaking different languages and then of course speaking some French which is which is uh, strange French probably for them <laughs> like like our Polish uh, our English for example no matter how how long we would speak it will be always no matter how how um, how long we will Polish our English it will be always Polish <laughs> English <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, I really um, for example, my, my uh, friends um, who are writers in Poland and they don't leave Poland. Um, we write about different subjects completely. So, for example, yesterday I was here at the meeting with um, Elif uh, Shafak, a uh, Turkish writer, and I heard her saying that uh, she's uh, she's embracing uh, different cultures. She's at, um, yes, she's uh, exactly at, uh, embracing them and. Um, I was I was like you know hearing myself. Uh, this is this is what I do. But uh, my friends writers from Poland they write about different um, things and they they write uh, more uh, the way um, Polish literature is constructed. So for example, I could probably more adapt to to to, to the English. Uh, pattern, uh, which is more telling a story. I mean, I simplify here, of course, obviously, but uh, it's more telling story, whilst in, in Polish literature is uh, probably more connected to French type, uh, to, to, to develop language uh, and to experiment with the language. And uh, so I'm aware of that. Uh, and I find my own way. And I, I think I'm now uh, quite, uh, we are quite apart, but uh, we still like each other, obviously. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, I um, again may add something. I would uh, uh, I would just comment a little bit, and I actually I can um, the, the comment is open, and I would actually address uh, uh, this uh, here. That um, do you think that you f that you are part of certain generation? Because um, and this is a that made me think the question about economic migration made me think about that. Well, we actually don't have yet a literally tale on working class migration to London. I mean, we have some of the texts I mentioned at the end of the, of which uh, which are um, some.
sometimes very dubious uh, from a literary point of view, but uh, um, mainly the, the tale of an economic migration is the tale of, for example, quite strong Polish newspapers in London, www.onet.eu, uh, www this is the tale of the economic um, working class migration, but literature kind of, Polish literature kind of step away from working class, and it's kind of patronizing, I think, mm -hmm. still, and, uh, and previous emigrate literature from between, before 1998, um, 1989, uh, it still have some sort of writers who would deal with various kind of uh, migration and emigration. Now, nowadays, actually, the figure of emigrant is a figure of uh, it's it's a kind of the intelligent, isn't I it? I wouldn't agree. No, no, no. <laughs> well, you have Pristupa, but I Pristupa done, is I've done my homework. <laughs> this is Pristupa, exactly. Yes, I mean, you did. Yes. I, I, wrote, I wrote a story about, yeah. about a Polish, uh, Polish uh, girl coming from a village, really, and she's 20 years old and uh, um, coming from, from a Catholic uh, country, so she... Oh, she, well, I would so agree, <laughs> because Pristupa is a very symbolic figure. She, she has a wonderful talent of acquiring language she, she's like She's like this. a parrot, really. And so she's yeah. kind of, uh, she... She absorbs uh, languages yes, very quickly, yeah. at least the English language, which is great to absorb. But it's, uh, yeah, you're right, I will, I will, I will no, take I, that No, I would that say that the change is mainly uh, in Polish literature. Uh, uh, it's mainly that um, the, um, the fate of uh, immigrant was, uh, was uh, usually uh, seen like in Radinsky's books, uh, yes. uh, it's a poor immigrant struggling with uh, everyday US, life, the uh, the, especially the US of Green Park, and really martyr life. Mm -hmm. And uh, so now I think it's changing uh, for, for, for you, as you said, uh, more you know, intelligent, intelligent uh, character. But we definitely don't have this uh, tale from, uh, from next generation because we are coming from uh, generations, uh, you emigrated from communism. I uh, I didn't emigrate. I, I chose to go uh, and live abroad uh, under capitalism. But there is another generation right now working here, for example, in London. Um, and they are, there are a lot of people here, um, uh, and they are earning money here, not in Poland, uh, because in Poland they don't have this possibility. Usually, they are born in uh, in small villages in Poland or in, in small small towns where the companies are, are closing, and they are just unemployed, so they are here. And um, definitely, we need probably this kind of uh, story. If somebody wants to read it, at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. Um, I will open. Uh, okay. It's a, a question and partly comment. <laughs> Women, no, 
form or her meant that the narrative is less good. I think she picks up a bit of body. I can't quite remember who she picks up for doing something that disrupts. So I wonder, I think it's, you know, we all speak from somewhere, don't we? And people who don't speak from anywhere, it's often that that artist feels so much at the centre. Maybe they're a, a white middle class male in a rich culture. Therefore, they don't feel that they there's nothing that's pressing them to speak, mm -hmm. but it's taking up as much space in their work as it's taking up rejected space. But yes, the interesting. Very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe we will gather three questions and we will. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? Right. Okay, Mark. Because um, uh, because it's very interesting. Um, others others too, but, <laughs> but this is really uh, uh, because I live in uh, Brussels right now, and I have uh, friends different different um, nationalities, but different ages as well. And uh, my friend uh, who is Belgian, uh, I mean strange Belgian, because she's uh, she's born in Brussels, but her father is uh, English and her mother is Greek. So you know, typical Belgian uh, Brussels uh, person. And we were talking about um, what we are doing. She's studying and uh, said, I'm writing. Uh, so she's, she asked, obviously, what kind of writing. Uh, I said, yeah, a little bit, you know, feministic writing as well. And she said, oh, yeah, my mom was a feminist. But uh, don't you think it's a little bit passé right now? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I thought it depends on the country, really. Or it depends on. Uh, where we are, uh, because when, when I'm in Belgium, definitely the subject is, is, is passé right now, because 
when I talk to my uh, friends, my, my male friends my age, uh, they are sons of feminists and um, they were born uh, with mothers uh, frustrated by uh, staying at home <coughs> because at that time it was a uh, traditional uh, pattern for, for women to, I mean in Belgium and in Holland, to stay at home. And they were uh, they were brought up uh, listening to to mothers saying that they are miserable and they hate uh, their husbands and they, they really want to go and do something you know and not sit at home. So I have this kind of um, friends, male friends, and they think uh, the femi they are done with feminism. I mean, they are feminists, uh, and they but they think it's obvious and. Uh, they, uh, as, as parents, for example, they really take uh, care of kids as much as, as, as mothers. Uh, so I think it's pretty much done there in Belgium. Um, in, Fran in France, not that much because you know this is more macho culture still. Um, but in Poland, this is completely different subject, and I'm really torn right now because I know that in Poland we are. Um, working on this, and in, in Belgium it's done, and uh, in England it's completely different situation. So it's it's really, I would step out really because um, this is not uh, very developing for the writer uh, to write about women's rights instead of uh, making a great plot. But uh, maybe in Poland it's not the good time to step out. <laughs> I can address this instantly as well, because what comes to my mind are is uh, uh, early 19th century art, um, press articles, beginning of the 20th century. What else do women want? Everything is done already. They have all their eyes, and in fact, they are even cherished. Um, they have some privileges. I mean, we have this repeated pattern of black feminism is over because women have everything they need. Um, reappearing in uh, our public discourse, um, both in, not only in Poland, but in, in Europe, in England as well. Um, I'm really wondering about this type of this um, male, I would say, paranoia, this fear of what will happen when women take over, of uh, sex misia type of fear, which brings mind this fear of, of sorry, slave owners. What will happen if we, if we liberate our slaves? Will they re rebel? Is it going to be, will they take revenge? How terrible is it going to be? Which, you know, was a, in fact, fear expressed by actual slave owners in the States some years ago. Uh, so, there. Yeah, um, I would also, I wonder about this, um, I mean, we probably don't, uh, I, mean, I would also vote against androgyny in, in writing, um, believe that universality doesn't exist, that whenever we strive to express universality, we really express basic mainstream thinking that pretends to be transparent but really isn't and consists of such this extreme set of values. I'm also thinking about, uh, in thinking about immigration, I'm thinking about people with uh, degrees, uh, higher education degrees, taking up manual jobs in England. I wonder how often it still happens. Uh, in fact, I have a friend, a friend and my former student who uh, saw 
doctoral uh, works towards his doctoral degree uh, here in London and uh, works as a bartender and um, talks to me about this double identity of uh, being, um, well, I believe, a very sophisticated thinker in his academic work and then becoming this bartender, Polish bartender, assumed to um, be working in um, living and staying in London for purely economic reasons and being assumed, and his, his uh, clients probably assume that he's finished eight, cla eight classes of public school. Has, you know, it has nothing to do with him. Um, so <coughs> there, and for the 21st century, I would say, well, we don't necessarily have to indeed think about our own uh, personal or cultural issues. I would, uh, I wouldn't necessarily gl uh, go global only to spread myself all over the globe, but I gladly think, uh, I would gladly think not only about my own issues. Uh, I, I would really, for instance, think about Africa specific issues that we suffer at this moment as uh, people living in the same planet. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I would just add one thing that uh, the, about the question with blogs. Exactly. Um, yeah, can I say that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's very interesting. I, I, I have no idea mm -hmm. <laughs> about, this, yeah. uh, about this blogs, but... Yeah, they're
and maybe the, the sequel of Nilagana Zvyonsky will be when they come back yeah? and what, what is, uh, is going to happen. So there, and there are some, some uh, books on, uh, on the experience of, uh, of coming back and uh, what, uh, what is uh, happening when, when you come back. And, but the usually it's, it's not uh, so traumatic, it's not so, because it's the, the figure is, uh, it's, it's not the emigrant, it's someone who, who just comes back after a few times, after travelers. And uh, Olga Tokar took a, a um, literary construction on in Biguni is actually the the figure that that goes and comes back and uh, and this is the the the, the com this is kind of nomadic a nomadic construction so this is where where uh, towards which the literary theme now tr tends to go mm -hmm. to the nomadic notion of identity nomadic identity whatever of however oxymoronic in May. Uh, but it uh, reminds me of, of the really great, great Polish play um, uh, by, uh, directed by Jan Klata. I don't know if he had been here with this performance. Uh, it's, it's a great performance because it's, it tells the story about uh, nomadic life, but uh, starting from, of course, the Second World War, uh, where people were moved uh, from, from um, uh, east to west, and, uh, and they what they carried was not suitcases because they didn't even have that, but they were carrying their stories, and this is what I think uh, um, is, uh, you know, the uh, home for this third culture kid, as I mentioned, because you know they they are kids who are not uh, having uh, one country to to live in. They live in different countries, but they have stories probably, you know, taken from different places, and this is the, the language, you know, they can they can carry. And uh, in this in this play, it was really uh, beautifully uh, shown. Uh, you know, people carrying stories and telling stories uh, from the scene. By the way, they were real people, old people from remembering the experience of the Second World War, and they were talking about uh, their experiences. So it was really beautiful. Mm -hmm. I would like to. Okay. One, one
I said I was here an optimist because it made the discussion more interesting. But of course, uh, but of course there is the whole nationalism, for example, uh, growing uh, in Europe right now. So of course, you know, on one hand, people having problems with identity. On the other hand, people having very strong identity and fighting against them. So this is the uh, darker side of this uh, Europeanization. <laughs> so, but we didn't touch that subject. Yeah. Well, we, we haven't, and uh, we don't have time, unfortunately. There is uh, many, many other questions, mm -hmm. many other borders, uh, and uh, the notion, and the migration, and just to advertise a little bit, I think that uh, the figure of emigrant uh, gave you uh, certain of freedom in uh, tackling the kind of problematic issue like sexuality and sexual language in your case yeah. in the later books and the notion of lesbian and uh, or not heterose heterosexual character in Polish uh, literature in UK. So uh, this is a, you know, crossing borders is very illuminating um, theme to, uh, to, to take into the literary journeys. And I hope uh, this panel will, will uh, have proved this to you. Uh, thank you very, very much for coming. And uh, thank, you, uh, the, thank you to the organizer for organizing this and inviting us to this. And um, I hopefully see you uh, sometime <coughs> next time in London with the, at the panels on women's writing, which is very, very mm -hmm. important. Thank you.